Should I intro us in? Sure, yeah. Take us away. All right. Hello I mean, and welcome. That's probably good. Oh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> <Dude>. <laughs> I'm not allowed to sabotage you. You get to sabotage me. All right, go ahead. All right. Welcome. <laughs> I got to cough anyway. Oh my god. <laughs> well, this isn't sabotage. This is I'm coughing. <laughs> it's a medical event. Okay, this is go ahead. A medical event. <laughs> It's content for the Patreon. Coughing. Yeah, put that on. For patrons only. Welcome to When Does It Get Fun? Uh, It's a podcast where we, you know, we talk about games, etc. We've got some game development background with SoBad. I'm Nirvana, and I've I've done some Doom modding and whatnot. Some minor modding of some other games, but really Doom is. uh, That's what, if you know me at all, you will know me for that, basically. That was a really you-forward intro. Was it? Yeah, I feel like I mentioned so bad once. Do me, do me some more. Give me a little bit more. Uh, so bad, you'll probably know. Uh, also from the Doom community, he's you know he's a streamer, one of the best out there. Uh, he also is uh, making a new game every month. And how is that going this month? So bad. Wow, this was torture. Ah. <laughs> 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 uh. Are we leaving? Is this the one we're going with? No, Let's no. Go with we can, the, we oh, can okay. do it again if you want. I was just sabotaging you. That's fine. I could cut this up into a semblance of an intro. <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> Start with the coughing and then this. It's good. Right. This, it's getting no, my no, nerves no. out. It's getting my nerves I'll, out. Here, I'll do a proper one. Okay. Ready? This will be the, the premier one. Ready. <laughs> Don't say what's game and gamers. Hey, Don't what's gaming gamers? Welcome Aww. to When Does It Get Fun? The podcast with So Bad and Nirvana, uh, where we talk about video games uh, and etc. How was that? Was that perfect? <laughs> I feel like you kind of bailed at the end. <laughs> like it was going good. I like the energy, and then you're like, ah, fuck this. <laughs> I wanted to ruin it for you right at the end, yeah. Before I could get. But yeah, I did actually want. You know, I've been. I joked about it a little bit, but I did actually want to know how the game's going for this month. Oh, did you? That's nice. Um, this month's game is probably getting canceled because I almost died in a <laughs> okay. crazy uh, sleep experiment trying to solve my weird medical issues. Mm-hmm. So, not well. Thanks for asking. And <laughs> the one time I take an interest, and this is the shit you give me. <laughs> it's canceled. <laughs> Well, you should ask if I have good news before you ask me to publicly reveal the news. That's uh, fair. That's fair. Yeah, I'm pushing this month back to uh, the end of next month, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna have to uh, pause the donations again. So it's just everybody's getting the same thing, but just a month later. And that's uh, we'll do everyone that. donate more. Oh God, in no, my don't opinion, donate more. flood him with donations. My favorite time of the month is when the Patreon is paused because new people can't join during that window. Who is so this I, guy? <laughs> I just feel so. Do you, want, do you want this to be successful in any way? The self sabotage is. I don't know. Disgusting. I don't know. I want to make games. Uh, well, what about uh, you're working on a game for Steam too? What about that? That's Tell me true. How it's that's going well. Yeah, that uh, I wanted to have that out at the end of June, but uh, due to that previously mentioned horrible health event that I had, 
Uh, I had to push that back to mid-July. But uh, yeah, we're going full steam ahead on that and just getting that up on Steam. The store page is live. Maybe I'll link you oh, to the cool. store page. And uh, Can people can... wishlist it yet? I know that's a pretty important thing for Steam games. Yes, people can wishlist Go wishlist Boomerax on Steam right now. It'll help Sobat out a great deal, and he deserves it because he's very hardworking. This is going to come out after the game is out. There will be no wishlisting anymore. This will come... Will it really? I oh yeah, so. will. Yeah, we're pretty far into June. Just make this the next episode. I don't care. This is the best intro we'll ever do. I don't think it gets better than this. I think this is yeah, a dynamite intro. But you know what? It's fine. We're doing great. You know, I haven't done like anything uh, Doom related. I I haven't done anything with the ogre battle modding I've been talking about. So I've been doing like no actual creative <laughs> output whatsoever. Mostly, I mean, because of work obviously but also a new raid tier came out for final fantasy 14 and that shit is like a job it's like a second job when you have to raid in an mmo a new raid tier yeah okay so if you've never played an mmo before uh the content gets sort of released uh in little bits and pieces i guess so like uh raiding in the game that's like the end game content uh, for most people so you're sort of gearing up your character or whatever and you're trying to get to the best possible gear and the best gear you can get is always from uh doing the raids and in the context of final fantasy they have the regular raids which they just call normal raids and then you have savage raids and they're the really difficult content and that's the stuff where you get the really good gear from so like you know, they'll release, like, their main story content and stuff, and then the raids will come out a little bit after that, and then, like, a week after the regular version comes out, the Savage version comes out. Uh, and for Final Fantasy, they get released, there's, like, 12 different raids, and it's basically, like, you just... I think in World of Warcraft, you, like, do, like, a full dungeon, and there's, like, a bunch of trash mobs you have to fight, and then there are bosses. It's, like, a bit of a different structure, but for Final Fantasy, you're just fighting one boss that's really difficult and it'll have a bunch of mechanics the fight may, might take like i don't know nine ten minutes something like that all up uh and they get released in sets of four so it'll be like 12 of these fights and they get released so like one two three four will come out and then it will be like five six seven eight etc so at the moment they've just released like the final three of this tier and so the ratings back on, baby. Woo! It's going. When I can I ask you a weird? Because I, I just mm-hmm. I I feel like last night I was talking to Miyagi about Starbreak, which is like uh-huh. <laughs> I think I told you that I'm not an MMO guy, but I just forgot that I only play cool MMOs. Uh-huh. You know, when you said, "Oh, I want to talk about MMOs," I was like, "Ew," because I'm thinking yeah. World of Warcraft and and that anything kind of in that genre. Mm-hmm. Which I'm sure is great, but you're just you're never going to catch me playing that. It's not it's not what I'm into. But I'll play like Realm of the Mad God. I'll play Starbreak. I'll play something that's massively multiplayer and it's online, but it's just not like a fantasy RPG style game. But uh, anyway, mm-hmm. I I dove back in out of sheer coincidence. I've been playing Starbreak in what little free time I have, and uh, if you've never heard of Starbreak, it's amazing. And I can't believe it's still online. I, I think it's got like one server left limping along. <laughs> the, the, the dev just 
I think he just keeps it live because people love the game and he's moved on to other things, which is pretty cool. But uh, Starbreak is like if Contra was Diablo and you had to play on hardcore mode the whole time. It's so good. It's like so it's a word like, uh, but with um, bullet hell elements. Yeah, it's a roguelike bullet hell run and gun. Uh, but it's near pets at the same time. Sure. <laughs> From what I, <laughs> I'm looking at it now, I mean, it doesn't look like near pets, but the way they describe it is like, oh, it's like an online community you can contribute to less than an MMO, which is an interesting way to put it. I wasn't aware of that. The copy <laughs> for the marketing there. I'll have to read that. It's a uh, Miyagi was saying it was bullying me, saying it looked like Maple Story a little bit because um, it's two D, right? It's just left and right. Anyway, this is a <laughs> huge tangent, but just what a happy coincidence! I got back into the kind of MMO that I love to play, which is like forty <laughs> player instances, and you're all you know running through the dungeon, taking down the boss. But it's Contra, you know, it's side scrolly shooty. Uh, but one of the things that I think is so fantastic about Starbreak is the loot system. Because, you know, in the old school MMOs, when you'd first be having a loot system, like the, your your raid boss or whatever, it drops the loot. Like the worst kind of loot system would be that shared loot, right? Where it just drops the loot and that's the loot for everybody. So if you're not mm-hmm. quick enough to pick it up, like oh, some, yeah, yeah. some script kitty with his macros ready will steal the Staff of Wonderment out from under your nose and you just don't even get it. Dude, not the Staff of Wonderment. <laughs> staff of Wonderment plus 13 with three mm-hmm. mods on it. Jeez. But, uh, yeah, that's that's dog water, obviously, right? I can't believe we ever tried that. Uh, much better is instant loot, right, where you beat the boss and then uh, everybody gets their own loot that only they can see, so nobody can steal it. Yeah. But uh, and I think that's just what modern games do now because we just recognize that it's better. Like you just don't well, do it the old way. Final oh. Fantasy is like an in-between Ew. system, which I think is what WoW is too. I don't know if most MMOs do this because I never played an MMO before, which I will get to in a second. But uh, the the loot system is basically like you get like four items that drop. Uh, when the boss dies, well, they don't drop, they just sort of, you know, they pop up, and then you roll on the item. And there's, like, need and greed rolling. So, need is, like, if it's your, if the item corresponds to your job, like your class, like, say, a healer item drops and you're a healer, if you roll need on that, then it doesn't matter if, like, a DPS rolls a higher number than you, you'll get it. If you roll a 1 and they roll a 99, you'll still get it if you roll need on it, and it matches your class. Uh, greed is, like, just based on the number, whatever, everybody gets it. And if it matches no class and everyone rolls need, then it's just the highest number too. But yeah, you have to roll on this loot and whoever wins it, wins it, basically. But Wow, that's stupid. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one of the big problems with it is that it, like, say, like, four items drop. <laughs> one person could just roll a 99 on every item and get every single item themselves. Yeah. Uh, and... Which, you know, wouldn't be that bad if, like, everyone was on the same footing. But, like, this person could have... They could already have all those items, <laughs> but they just yeah. roll on them all and get them all. Uh, and also, if you... So, if you even roll on an item, like, you beat the fight and you roll on it, you have to wait until next week, even if you don't win an item for the raids. 
That sucks front to back. There's it's not, I'd it's see not good, no yeah. good in that. That's terrible. Get that patch that out of the game right now. You do get so you, every time you beat the boss though, you get a book and you can trade those books in directly for whatever item you want. Uh, so I think you need three books for like a certain item. So you'll have to if you beat the boss three times and you've got nothing, you're guaranteed to get something. But yeah, definitely some problems with the with the loot system. I love band aid solutions like that. Where it's like, sir, we've got a huge problem with our loot system. Should we fix it? And they go, no, just introduce some other weird mechanic (laughs) that makes it feel less bad over time. Well, the thing is, this is like, this is the end game content that keeps the people who've beaten everything in the game already playing. So they need to like, you know, it's obviously not good from an actual design perspective, but I understand that it's like, well, we need to keep people coming back to re-clear the fights etc so that they can get their loot and stuff i like i get it but i don't, I don't understand i don't as a non-mmo playing person for 95 percent of my life i also think it's pretty dog shit i don't see the relevancy there though because you could have your players returning for this end game content to just get their own private instanced loot you know you could just make it more rare if you're worried about too many yeah but then or something they would out. be guaranteed to get something so it would speed up their process like I'm saying, I'm not saying this is good, but I, oh, I see. But the idea is, how can we keep these people playing this content for as long as possible until the next content is ready? Uh, I see. So it's less of a Skinner box situation where maybe just nothing drops at all. That doesn't happen. It's going to drop great stuff, but you just all have to roll for who gets it. Exactly. And look, you could get really lucky and get everything. Yeah, that's dumb. So you could be like super geared. But that would be the worst. Uh, another little addendum to it is that if somebody comes in like for every person that's in the group so it's eight people uh two tanks two healers four dps and like for every single person in that group who's beaten the fight the loot gets reduced so it used it's a bit of a different system now but the old one's simpler to explain so i'll just explain that so it used to be that you got two chests if all eight people had not beaten the fight before and then it would get reduced down to one chest if, I think it was if four out of the eight people had beaten the fight, then <laughs> you would get, uh, then you would get one chest instead of two. And then you get like, I think you get nothing oh, God. if five or more have beaten it. It's like, but you still get your book at the end. And, and maybe this sounds like crazy, but if you actually think about it, it's just so that like, you don't get fucking carried through the entire tier, essentially, I think is the point of it. I guess so. It's just Because, like, if you had four people who'd beaten the fight, it would be super easy to carry the other four people. No, oh, I know, but it's just... All I hear is fucking systems on top of systems, you know? This works in exactly this way with these numbers. and Like, I'm not... That doesn't make it bad. It just cracks me up that it's so it's so complicated. But I, you know, I trust that there's a means to it and that it works and if if people aren't complaining about it all the time then maybe it's fine well but, they you know, just touched it up a little bit like they do actually listen to people a little bit because this tier like it used to be you needed four books to get this certain piece of loot and they reduced it to three because they recognized it was a bit ridiculous and then they also made it that you could get like like certain better pieces of armor you would have to you had to wait longer last year to get and now you can get them a bit earlier so 
they're listening a little bit, you know. I hate this. <laughs> yeah, well, this is the thing, like, you were saying, like, oh, I would never play an MMO, blah, blah, blah. That was me before Final Fantasy. I was like, I'm never fucking playing an MMO. They they look like shit. I don't, I don't want to play them. They look really boring. Like, if you watch someone playing an MMO, unless they're doing, like, a really exciting fight and you actually sort of know what's going on, they're really fucking boring to watch. Um... But then, like, my girlfriend got into it and she really liked it. And then eventually uh, I was like, okay, I'll try this game. Because she was, like, asking me to play. And then I started playing it and I was like, ah, oh, man, I get it. Like, I understand why people like this. And now I'm pissed because, like... You can't stop. Yeah, because, like, I'm the kind of person who... Like, I made a one character in Skyrim and I played that one character for, like, 500 hours. Oh my like, God. I'm really into, like, I've got one guy, and everything I do, I want to build that one guy up, you know? I'm, oh, I don't yeah. like making, like, 20 different characters in a game. I hate that shit. Uh, so this game is, like... Because I think in WoW, what people have said to me is that, basically, if you want to try out a different, like, role or whatever, like, you want to play, like, a rogue instead of a warrior or whatever... You actually have to, like, make a completely different character to, like, play that. But in Final Fantasy fourteen, you can just, like, you can just play whatever fucking role you want. Like, you can just switch jobs whenever you want and play, like, any of them whenever. So, like, I think this game is, like, this MMO, unfortunately, was, like, built to reel me in <laughs> to, like, <laughs> have me play. Because, like, when I played Monster Hunter, like, at the end of the game, I was just playing, like every single weapon i was just learning every single weapon at the end just to like try different stuff out and so this game has just gotten me like hook line and sinker unfortunately well as long as you're having fun but i'm I'm glad i, I like that we can have this like really nitty-gritty conversation about fucking loot drop systems mm -hmm. and how they work i just love i love talking about really specific mechanics like that um i'm gonna tell you how starbreak does it which is the correct answer. This is how it should be done. But I all I want to say up front that it probably Final Fantasy couldn't do it this way. It yeah. would just break the game. It would just be fundamentally it's too different of a game. Um Starbreak can do this because it's a permadeath roguelike style game where mm -hmm. loot loot is constantly leaving the economy. I mean there is no economy, there's no trading, but even if there were, loot's just leaving because you're dying with it and it's gone forever. Uh, yeah. So they can do some more interesting things. But the way Starbreak does it that's genius is, I don't know what the term would be for it. I'm going to make one up right now. It's simultaneous instanced loot. There were way too many S's in that sound. But anyway, you uh, when you beat a boss, it'll drop, you know, its pool of loot that it drops. Everybody gets their own. but So nobody can steal yours. But it's also the same for everybody, okay. down to the most minute details. So when you go on a dungeon run with your with your guild or whatever, and you, you take like eight people in, you take 20 people, doesn't matter. If you beat the boss, if you know the elite strands boss drops a perf soidal repeater, everybody gets one. So well, there's this... Game, uh thing i've ever heard in my life yeah continue. so <laughs> i'm trying to get into it i'm trying to be passionate about it <laughs> um i used to go hard on this game back in like god when did it come out 
2015. I, I probably was playing the shit out of this game in like 2016 or something. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I stopped and I can't believe it's online. But anyway, what's so great about this is the the high of when you get that drop, the whole lobby is celebrating together because they all came for that drop and you got it. So everybody gets the same thing. It feels like such an achievement. The fact that since it is instance loot, nobody can steal yours. There's no animus between players. Sometimes you'll play uh, an MMO. Depending on how it's designed, you might need to take people into the boss because you need help beating the boss. But then you're kind of hoping that a couple of them die before the boss fight's over so that they can't steal your loot, you know, and there's more for you. I think that's a shitty system. So you don't have that problem. So it's a very collaborative experience. Everybody's genuinely on your team. You want to help other people survive and help you beat this boss. So I think that's great. And then what's also nice is when you're going on these dungeon runs with a group of people, you don't have this effect where somebody gets their drop and they're like, okay, like I'm going to head out. I got the drop. I'm not going to keep risking my life and my character on these runs. I'm done. And your party dwindles down as people get the drops they're looking for until, you know, you have like three people left. You can't do the run anymore. So the mm-hmm. fact that nobody's done until everyone's done at the same time you got the drop is just great. So I, I love that system. I recognize that you probably couldn't do it outside of a roguelike because you're putting too many rare items into the game at any given time. Right. You could have a 40 person party all drop their fucking stone bow and then. You know, there's 40 stone bows around now, but it works perfectly in Starbreak and it's so great and you're never mad at anybody and it just, it's fucking perfect. It's so nice. And man, when that rare item drops and the whole lobby's just popping off because you've, you've been running it for like days trying to get this item. Oh man, it's great. So I love that. I hate the sound of this Final Fantasy one where you could do the dungeon run and the thing you want dropped, and then you don't get it. Like, that's fucking infuriating. Well, I couldn't play that game. If you, if you play with a full group of eight, so you have, like, a full group of eight to do this thing together, you can have a loot master, and then they will just... They get... They dole out the loot. So, like, say you have... They call it a static. I don't know what they call it in WoW or, like, other MMOs, but if you have a group of eight people that always come together to do it... You just have one person and it would be like, well, the DPS gets the weapon first or whatever because their damage is the most important. And then you would you have a system of who gets what each week or whatever. So for those people, they have like a perfect loot system essentially because everyone's content. Everyone's getting what they want to get at, at, at the right times kind of thing. So there is Hate that it. as a compensation. Hate it to death. <laughs> Why? Here's Starbreak's loot system. I shoot the boss in the face until he dies, and then he drops a cool thing I get. And that's all the thinking I have to do. <laughs> there's no planning. There's no I, systems. I there's no The problem static. is these two games are very different. Oh, absolutely. Like, yeah, totally. Which you couldn't do you, this. Like you Final said, Fantasy. you literally couldn't have that loot system uh, that's in right. the game. Absolutely, yeah. But it's just like, this is why this is the kind of MMO experience that lends itself to me, because it feels very fun forward. Whereas it mm-hmm. sounds like this Final Fantasy game is doing something that's more uh, in line with what you should be doing in a kind of classic MMO. And so, like, that's what people are expecting and that's what they're going for. But I find that experience just frustrating and unfulfilling and awkward and cumbersome. And it's not Yeah, I mean, me. it. It definitely fits into the, like, 
min maxi kind of attitude i think that you end up picking up when you do like high level stuff in mmos which or like maybe path of exile or something like that where you're making like a, a strict build and it needs to have this and this and this or whatever i like one thing about final fantasy that's a bit a bit weird is that like all the raid fights and stuff are very based around like certain strats so it's like okay the boss is going to do this and then you'll want to have like these two people stand here and these two people stand here like it's a lot of it is like quite rigid and strict which doesn't necessarily mean it's not fun but it means that the community like there's this guy who releases videos called Hector and he is like the guy people watch his videos and that's the strat that like people use for the raids or whatever so people will search for a party or they'll like post up and like join my party to do this fight or whatever and it will just list the strats out that they want to do for the fight so we're gonna do like and they always have really fucking stupid names it'll be like like one of the fights was literally like mario kart playstation enums these were the things you would see uh listed for chat and i'm not gonna say what the fight is people who play final fantasy will be like oh yeah i remember that fight and it's really stupid names good easter <laughs> but the thing is that it means that like you, you it's pretty rare to like like you can post with doing this fight blind or whatever and you might get people who join and actually want to do the fight and just figure out the mechanics on their own but the mechanics sometimes are so like esoteric and like obtuse like really difficult stuff to figure out so for the most part people just use strategies for it well hold, hold like on which is okay but it's just, just for uh clarity are the these strategies that you're using to beat the boss are these designed or discovered is this what you're intended to do i would suggest that it's sort of probably like an 80 20 i would say the developers I would say that most of the time the strats most likely align with what the developers had in mind, but there are occasions where you'll be doing a strat where you're like, there's no fucking way the developers knew that this existed. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is cool, but um, but it does mean that some people will come into your party and they'll be like, you'll be like just starting the fight, and they'll be like, okay guys, well we're going to do this and this and this, and it's like, well we're not even up to those. I don't even know what the things that you're listing are. Because we're, like, blind to the fight or whatever. And some people get a little bit, like... They expect you to just know the whole fight from, like, watching videos or whatever. Yeah. Um, That's a very MMO thing, eh? There's... there's, It always feels like there's a way to do a boss wrong and piss everybody off. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you you drag them over to the wrong side of the room and nobody can deal their damage safely or something. And then people are just bitching you out for not knowing that. And oh man, I wonder what I wonder how hard it is to design those things out of a game because there's not a whole lot of that in uh, in Starbreak. But there's first of all, Starbreak's a way way smaller stripped down game, and B there is still a little bit of that where like you know you could be in Vanquished fighting the boss and a fabricator could like take him up above the skyline above the screen and you can't even see him or participate in the boss fight at all. Mm-hmm. So like. There's always cheesy stuff I, I don't stuff know what do. any of this means, but yeah. Well, you know, those who know, they'll know. <laughs> the five people that have played this game. <laughs> it probably is, like, actually five people. <laughs> it's such a shame. It's such a great game. It's such a cool concept. 
and just nobody's heard of it. It's a damn shame. Yeah, I mean, like you were saying, there's a shitload of stuff like that. I mean, a lot of the mechanics, they'll be like, you know, what they call body checks, where it's like, is everybody alive? And if they're not all alive, now you're all dead. <laughs> like, stuff like that. Like, uh, they they have these things where they call them towers, and they call them that because usually they look like a tower. And it's it'll be like a, a tower coming out of the ground with, like, a little circle in it. And, like, everybody has to stand in those towers and, like, soak them in specific positions. And then it's basically like, okay, did everybody live from the previous mechanic? Because if they didn't, you're fucked now. So, what, what is that enforced? Yeah. Why are you fucked now? You will. It'll just be like here's like a massive amount of damage that comes out if the towers were soaked, basically. What? Oh, so oh, and it's spread evenly among the people. So if you don't have enough people yeah, there, yeah. you all die. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So then, how do you get into that amazing like white knuckle situation where it's just you and one guy left having to finish the boss off? Does that that can happen in this game. Okay. I literally like uh, we were doing what is the ninth fight of this tier, so the first one that came out in this raid tier, and we just beat it a couple of weeks ago, and <laughs> we were having like a really good run, and then right at the end, everybody died except for the two tanks, and they were the only ones alive, and they managed to like kill the boss just barely before. Uh, it, it killed everyone. Because basically the bosses in this game, for the harder content, for savages and, and ultimates, and ultimates are like the hardest possible fights in the game, they have a thing that's called an enrage, and it just means that you get up to this f part of the fight, and there's a it's like the end of the fight, there's a damage check. If you don't kill the boss in time, you wipe. Like, you all die. That's the end of the fight. Weird. <laughs> it all makes a lot of sense when you actually play the game it's basically like have you guys been actually doing your dps properly for the fight if you haven't and you haven't killed the boss by this time then then you're dead what what constitutes doing the dps properly in that circumstance is it like you have x number of people so you, you should be dealing x amount of damage per second total yeah well that's where it gets complex i guess because each like each job so they call them jobs in Final Fantasy. I think that's in every Final Fantasy. I've never even played a Final Fantasy before playing this game, I will say. Oh, I've wow. played Chrono Trigger, but not Final Fantasy. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I haven't played Final Fantasy, but relax, I have played a different game. <laughs> well, no, Chrono Trigger is by the same team who made Final oh, Fantasy. Oh, I see that's what you're why saying. I say, okay. yeah, yeah. I didn't I didn't get the context for that at all. It felt okay. so left field. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> you're just like, well, like Marissa, yeah, Marissa I get street team. cred here. That was funny. Exactly. So don't, don't uh, you don't have to get into the specifics of it if it's complicated, but all so you're damage. describing, yeah, the damage check, it's basically saying, hey, you're not dealing enough damage per second yeah. so fuck you exactly you what is the appeal of that to you mechanically okay so like the way it works in final fantasy is and in every mmo as far as i understand is basically you just have a shitload of buttons to press like if you're a dps i'm playing monk right now i used to be a healer for the previous tier of raids uh, and I decided I'm going to play melee DPS this time, which is, like, pretty much the biggest switch you can make. But for this class, I have to just, like, you have what's called a rotation. So, like, you go through, 
you press like your buttons in a certain order. You'll have a bunch of combos of attacks that you'll do in a certain order. Uh, and like adhering to that as well as possible is how you are going to sort of like min max your DPS so that it's as good as possible. So like a really like the top monk in the world, he's not going to be making any mistakes in that rotation. He'll be hitting like every single combo that he needs to hit in a row for 10 minutes or whatever. Uh, and so you're trying to just get as close to that as possible. Uh, and that's the same for every class. So like healing is like, yeah, you want to heal, obviously, which I think in WoW, it's like you don't really have a damage rotation in WoW or something. I'm not 100% sure. So maybe you're like 100% focused on healing in a lot of MMOs. But for Final Fantasy, you want to like weave damage in as your healing. So the ideal situation is you do just barely enough healing to keep everybody alive. Uh, and then the rest of your time is taken up doing damage. I'm so lost. <laughs> I'm so. So, so what I, are you confused about so bad? I my like the appeal. So like I understand the appeal of getting sick nasty at your combos. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's fine. You're basically playing, you know, Guitar Hero along your QWER or whatever on your yeah. keyboard. Like, sure, that's fun. Mm -hmm. But from the perspective of it being a boss fight. And you have this damage check, and it sounds like you're saying if you fail, if the party fails the damage check, you just lose instantly. Yes. So why, why, why that? What, what is that just to prevent the fight from going on for too long? Like, what's well, what's the appeal of the, what's the purpose? Of I would that? say it's a couple of well, one is to give it like these fights are meant to be difficult. Like, the Savage Raid tier is meant to be... It's not for everybody. A lot of people play Final Fantasy and they never touch this content. They don't give a shit. They're just, like... They run around and they do fun MMO things with their friends. They just do some dungeons and, like, you know... Maybe they do some sweet RPing. I don't know what the hell super casual <laughs> players do, but... You can play that game as casually as you want to. You never have to touch this content. You never have to mid-max... You can get, you can still get pretty good gear. You just won't get like the very tip top gear or whatever. But, uh, in terms of like the actual like mechanics of it, I would say it is probably to have a set amount of time to it because like if you're designing these fights, you can't just have infinite mechanics going on. So it's like, well, this fight should be around this long. Let's fit these mechanics in. Uh, cause like, let's say, there's another set of fights called Extremes, and this will be, like, not quite as difficult as a Savage, but still pretty hard. And in those, they don't have an Enrage in the same way, as far as I recall. Uh, or some, maybe some of them don't, and some of them do, I don't know. But they'll just start repeating their mechanics over and over again, instead of having this Enrage that kills everybody. So, you, you know, you do have, like, an infinite amount of time to kill the boss, um... But for Savages, it's like, well, they're supposed to be really hard, and part of the difficulty of the game is getting your rotation correct and doing a certain amount of DPS, so I think that's most likely why. Okay, so it's effectively like they're slapping an eight-minute timer on the fight, but instead of slapping an eight-minute timer on the fight, because maybe that's lame, they're just accomplishing that a different way. Where it's Yeah, eight. and it works twofold, right? So that's yeah. a timer for the fight, and it's also a, like... A, like a difficulty check kind of thing like are you good enough to be doing this content yeah so it's saying basically prove that 
you do enough damage to kill the boss in the eight minute window that we've allotted. And if you can't yeah. do that much damage, then, you know, you lose instantly. Okay. Yeah. I, I think I can understand that. It, but it also like, go ahead. Sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, that's all right. The thing is like, okay. So imagine a lot of the mechanics will be like movement based mechanics and stuff like, oh, I have to like, four of us have to come together to do this one thing together. And then we have to spread apart really quickly after that. Like there'll be like a, a stack is what they call it. So all of you, like four people have to stack up together to soak this big damage hit. And if they're not all there, then they'll all die kind of thing. And then you might have to immediately spread out because you have an AOE that appears on top of you and it's going to kill everyone if you're all together. So there'll be things like that where it's like tons of movement in a fight. And, you know, it's difficult enough to do these mechanics, like, just on their own a lot of the time. But, like, the actual difficulty of the game is how can I do these mechanics while also doing optimal damage at the same time? So I think, like, a lot of that enrage uh, is to do with that, where it's like, okay, you got to the end of the fight, that's great. <laughs> like, you successfully completed the mechanics, but the only reason you completed the mechanics was because you stopped doing damage during, like, specific periods, right? And that's not good enough, so you're dead now. That makes sense. It's funny because yeah. it's so not my genre. It's so outside of what I would find myself playing that it really feels like you have to explain this to, like, an alien visiting Earth <laughs> asking, like, what, yeah. what do you do for mm-hmm. entertainment? And you're like, well, there's this damage check phase and... <laughs> well, I was the same. Like I said, I was exactly the same. I used, I was like, what is the appeal? I don't get it. And then I played it and I was like, like the boss fights in this game is like some of the coolest game design I've seen in a video game. Like just the way it's just such a unique thing of like, okay, I have to come together with these other people I just met or whatever, or even with your friends. Like if you have a full group, which is like the best experience, obviously, but just like, a real sense of accomplishment when you beat this thing together as a group. Like, you all, you hear everyone yell in the chat afterwards, like, we fucking did it! And then, like, (laughs) you know, like, everyone's taking pictures with the dead boss and stuff at the end in a little group photo and stuff. It's like, it's a very singular experience, I think, uh, playing difficult content in an MMO. That's great. That's, you'll spend your whole life looking for stuff like that as as a gamer, or at least I will. You know, just one yeah, of those think, things that yeah. feels like a genuine accomplishment and everybody's sharing it together. And you're like, to put it in a Pixar's inside out terms, this is a core <laughs> memory that you're forming. Yeah, I mean, we do make a point in the show to always frame everything in <laughs> Pixar's inside out. I just want to make sure people understand what I'm saying, okay? I'm putting it in terms we can all understand. I mean, it, it, I think it's definitely something with me that I, like, you were asking what I get out of it, and that is definitely, that's the big thing, obviously. Like, I mean, you have that moment, but then you have this other element of, like, self-improvement. Like, like I said, like, I, last year was my first year actually, like, raiding, doing, like, difficult content that was, like, new because uh, we'd done some of the older content, but I won't get into it, but there are sort of some mechanics that, like, in the game that make that content a bit easier to do. Uh, but now, like, this was my... That was my first tier, like, doing difficult content playing as a healer. 
And there was like a ton of growth as a player to experience during that time of like, I think I'm playing my role correctly. And then every couple of weeks, I'm like, I'm playing my role completely wrong. Like, (laughs) you just learn like, oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing this. And you learn that over and over and over again. And it's a very, you don't really get that kind of growth uh, and development in other games, I don't think. And and then, like, I switched my job to DPS and, like, healers are ranged uh, in, in Final Fantasy. So, like, being ranged is very different to being melee in that game because the boss has, like, a hitbox around it. And you might have bosses where if you're a melee DPS, you have to stay as close to the boss as possible for mechanics that make it very difficult for you to stay close to the boss. So if you want to keep doing damage, it's like, okay, I have to be really close, but I, you know, I don't want to fucking die or wipe the group or whatever. So like now I'm playing a totally different role and then I get to like, my damage has been getting better and better. I'm seeing like improvements consistently, uh, as I've been playing these fights more and more. So it's just like, it's definitely a very satisfying experience for like multiple different reasons for sure. So to put it in like DreamWorks Kung Fu Panda terms, yeah, you would say that there framework. is no secret ingredient. No, I couldn't think uh, of a good one. It was too much pressure. On the fact that you even notes. thought of a quote from <laughs> Kung Fu Panda that quickly. I thought of the quote from Kung Fu Panda that quickly. To put it in uh, Toy Story 1 terms, there's a snake in my boot, I think. Uh, I'm not sure I understand who made Toy Story 1. Uh, it was actually uh, Pixar. Oh, I see. Written by Joss Whedon, I believe. Joss which... Whedon wrote Toy Story? Yeah, I believe. I don't know if he... He probably co-wrote it with 32 other people, but I think he did write <laughs> the first Toy Story, yeah. What is it with that guy in ensemble casts? I don't know. He had a real fall from grace, which we probably won't get into, but yeah. Yeah, that was his point to see because he, uh, you know is a very talented writer otherwise but yeah i mean i was a huge buffy the vampire slayer fan loved that show interesting uh, interesting very very good show but i was uh, so a bit disappointing to find out that he was you know for lack of a better word a chode <laughs> <laughs> to, to, <laughs> to put it in pixar's coco's terms that dude was a fucking chode. <laughs> to put yeah. it in terms uh, that people who've seen a bug's life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you a know what's fucking life. hilarious to me is that they made a bug's life and then in the background, someone at DreamWorks was like, ants. let's fucking make ants. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Oh my god. Uh. I love that. And the fact that fucking... Uh, God, what's his name? Another fall from grace. Give me a hint. But a long time ago. Uh, God, I'm like blanking on all of his movies. Uh, he, I mean, he's a f- very famous director. Ooh, that's going to be harder for me, but go on. Okay. Woody God, Allen. What are any- yeah, Woody Allen. <laughs> it is Woody Allen. <laughs> it the wasn't one, he's like Allen. the happens. No, it is actually Woody Allen. That's so, you, your only clue has to be like, this guy, he was a director, and he fucked up big time. <laughs> well, it's either him oh. or Roman Polanski, right? Well, Those yeah. were oh, yeah, two true, big true. options. Uh, but yeah, Woody Allen is in that movie, Ants, which is very fucking funny to me. 
Interesting. Yeah, I was. Oh, uh, I'm, I'm an ant. <laughs> <laughs> is it Woody Allen or is it somebody doing a Woody Allen impression? <laughs> no, it's me doing a Woody Allen impression. Actually. Wow, that's great. I should watch that. That again. was it. Did you like? Did you like my Woody Allen? I thought it was pretty good. <laughs> sure. I don't know what Woody Allen sounds like. I, that guy's he not on my exactly radar. Exactly how I did him. He's like, ooh, I'm nervous <laughs> ooh. all the time. That's Woody. Allen. <laughs> Got social anxiety. That's him. Oh, I was super ride or die for Firefly, so yeah, uh, you know, oh, I was following. I never watched it actually. It. Maybe Firefly is a lot of fun. Firefly has like within it, there's this one scene that I would hold up as like perfect writing, just perfect writing, and wow. I shouldn't even talk about it because I won't be able to do it justice by talking about it. But there's if you've ever seen Firefly, the scene where. <clears throat> Jane is in the airlock and Mal's gonna gonna let him die there and then Jane has to try and kind of talk him out of it. Oh, it's perfection. It's just so smart. But um, yeah, I was following Whedon's career for a bit after that because I was like, man, this guy's good. This is great stuff. And then, uh, yeah, turns out, I forget what the deal was. Some kind of weird just like a really abusive bullshit. dude i think yeah. that too but just also like an angry man like that just sucks. very you know, like abusive towards people you know that's but yeah worst. i watched i think i watched like i didn't watch firefly but i watched everything else pretty much i watched buffy i watched angel and i watched dollhouse as well and they were all pretty good oh yeah i never watched dollhouse but i heard good things firefly is really short because it was canceled so early on in its life so yeah it's you rough. can squeeze it in in like a day but then also you'll be heartbroken that it's over. <laughs> that was how I felt at the end of Ants. Wow. Just couldn't believe it was over. I feel like as a kid I was like, I'm not going to watch fucking Ants. Like, I really liked A Bug's Life as a kid. And I, I just I just did not want to see Ants. From A Bug's Life. I, I remember Ants. I don't know that I've even seen A Bug's Life. I don't know that A Bug's Life is actually that good of a movie. Okay, this podcast sucks. <laughs> what are we talking about? <laughs> I just listened, like, I had a real out-of-body experience while I said that sentence, and I was like, we've gone down a bad road. I was enjoying it, but in the back of my mind the whole time, I was like, I will have to cut all of this out. <laughs> I think you have to leave it on. You have to leave it all in now. It has nothing to do with anything. Let me bring... I wanted to ask you something else about MMOs, so let's uh -huh, bring it yeah, back let's there. Let's get into it. But definitely go check out that scene where Jane's in the airlock and Firefly. Absolutely fucking brilliant writing. Go, um, oh, yeah. Also, go check out that scene in A Bug's Life where the caterpillar flies. Fucking insane. Also, go check out that scene in Ants where all the ants build, like, a big ant tower to escape the flooding ant hill that they're in, and it's, like, teamwork, and they all survive. And then Woody Allen's like, Ooh! <laughs> <laughs> i don't know if the other ants like me <laughs> oh i'm drowning <laughs> yeah. um yeah let's okay to bring it back from the thing i'm gonna definitely edit out and nobody has to listen to it <laughs> um mm. one of the th problems i have with like your classic mmos like your world of warcraft or like your mm -hmm. guild wars uh you know my buddy eric would play the shit out of guild wars too and I'd watch it, and this is going to sound so weird, but just bear with me for a moment. I'm watching somebody play an MMO like WoW, and mm -hmm. I just, I, I don't believe it. 
Does that make any sense at all? Probably not. I'm watching like you're just standing there. You're in combat, supposedly. But you're just like your character's just kind of like dancing on top of the other character. And they're dancing on top of you. And that like spamming spells and skills and whatnot. And then like one of them dies. Mm-hmm. And it just doesn't look like a fight. And something about that just rubs me completely. Like I just, I can't do it. That's I can't interesting be because I feel like this is a very aesthetic problem you're having. Which for somebody who, oh, I don't understand what a graphics is. <laughs> I feel like. I've seen a graphics before. <laughs> I feel like. This is the the first crack in this uh, facade that you've put up about not caring about aesthetic elements. Maybe. I mean, it was very generous. Because that's to... not a mechanical element. Yeah, it is. Well, I suppose that it's base. You <laughs> could say it is. But really, that is to do with the aesthetics of yeah, it's the it way works. the combat looks or Absolutely. appears. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's Which kind of like... You know, we'll talk We'll talk about feedback, right? You know, we, we went into it in Doom 3 a little bit where you're kind of shooting monsters and you're just not really sure that you're hitting them a lot of the time because it's just not giving you that feedback. And so, one, there's a lack of clarity of like, man, did I hit him or did the shotgun sh- spread just go completely around the guy like a fucking like old Disney cartoon? Um, or, wait, what? I lost track of my sentence. Let me start over. <laughs> feedback (laughs) feedback (laughs) feedback yeah and it also it's part of the fun is like feeling the impact of things feeling like you are having an impact on the world around you so if you punch a character in the face and they don't react at all that is like intrinsically less fun than when you're playing streets of rage and you've like got the lead pipe or whatever and you're just cranking dudes and they're getting Uh fully hit stunned and you know, knocking I can back hear the sound bit. in my head. Oh, it's so good. It's so satisfying, right? So I'm watching people play MMOs and it's, it's you know, it could be a technical limitation thing with when WoW came out and just like what's feasible to do or that conversation we had again where like in multiplayer shooters, you wouldn't have pain chance and hit stun because it would feel really lame to be stun locked. And unable mm-hmm. to shoot somebody back. So it could be a similar thing happening there where we want the mobs and the bosses and whatnot to be able to damage you all the time. They shouldn't be getting stun locked. But it just, I just, it takes me out of the experience to watch you just dance in place. <laughs> you know, and the, the, the other That's guys. That's me, yeah, playing Monk. That's literally me. Yeah, and the other guy's dancing in place. And it's, you're like, this is a fight. And I just, oh man, I can't do it. I can't get into it. It just... It looks so goofy. Yeah, I suppose a lot of the impact comes from, you know, big, you know, you do a big attack at the end of your combo or whatever. You get a big explosion and cool particle effects and shit. Like, you still get that kind of stuff. So a lot of the aesthetic satisfaction from the combat probably comes from that. Yeah, but like, I believe that you're casting spells, you know? that That's not the issue i'm having it's i don't believe that you're fighting that other guy <laughs> just i don't see the impacts happening and i don't see the weight of it so like it's just if the guy wasn't there and you were just dancing in place casting your big spells it would be no different from my perspective then you bring in the enemy and have him stand near you but he's still he doesn't give a shit 
that you're doing the stuff that you're doing just as health bar is moving down it's just it's a weird thing i haven't been able to get past and uh, and it bothers me in a lot of other games too like to a much That's lesser extent but i'll see that in dark souls style games as well where you're oftentimes when you're you're hitting like it's a huge boss and you're like chopping at his ankles with a great sword or something uh-huh. and he's just still doing whatever he's doing and other than like blood and the health bar going down you don't really get a lot of feedback and it just doesn't something about that really doesn't sit well with me i really need to get that feedback like i want to hit him in the ankle and i want him to pick up his whole foot and be like ow man you know, if he could say exactly that in the moment, that would be great. If if Woody Allen could Some voice... gigantic demon or something. <laughs> yeah. Oh, he's hit my foot. <laughs> I'm going to go back and watch like a Woody Allen movie and realize that he sounds nothing like this. But this I hope is... that you shouldn't. Instead, you should just keep doing the impression and it'll get farther and farther away until you're just doing like uh, Mr. Poopy Butthole from Rick and Morty. And uh, and you're just saying that that's a Woody Allen, you know? That would be good. I, I can't even remember the last Woody Allen movie I watched, but uh, I think it was. At least not get into Woody Allen. It was probably Ants on uh, on Blu-ray, full 4K experience. All right, <laughs> simmer down. <laughs> no. <laughs> what? Uh, well, I, what what I was gonna say was that I think this is interesting because I feel like this what you're bringing up is fundamentally an aesthetics issue and i think that like i don't even really notice it in final fantasy i mean there is some amount of reaction from enemies like when they get hit you know they will make a little ooh, or like (laughs) you'll see like a little slice on them or whatever like things do they do react they have animations that react to it but yeah with like a big raid boss or something you won't have that kind of thing but you'll be so focused on I have to play. I have to press fifteen thousand buttons while also resolving this really complex mechanic at the same time. That you definitely work here. Yeah, that makes sense. And I I see where you're like it's it's aesthetic in the sense that we're talking about information I'm bringing in through my eyes. But I just I don't think fundamentally it's an aesthetic thing. I think fundamentally it's a feedback thing. And I th- I think that that's different you know but the feedback element isn't because you want that information in order to then do something mechanical you just want that information because it will make you feel better about the way the world looks and operates i don't think it's a mechanical thing well that's true i'm not sure it's mechanical but i I don't want it there because i think it looks good i want it there because it communicates information to me and but that's part of aesthetics just because aesthetics is serving a function doesn't mean that it's not aesthetics well i guess we're just using the term differently because i would have i've been hearing you say aesthetics and i've been hearing it as like it's pleasing to the eye i would talk about aesthetics i mean aesthetics doesn't necessarily mean that it's pleasing to the eyes i'm just talking about aesthetics as in the way things look and the visual experience of playing a game so i'm just crunching the numbers on this um okay so (laughs) (laughs) there's a lot of numbers to crunch here just get your little calculator out 
Your yeah. palm pilot, maybe? I'm not used to using my eyes in conjunction with my brain, so there's there's work to be done behind the scenes. Would you <laughs> if I if I shoot a boss and a damage number appears, is that would that fall under aesthetics for you? It's both aesthetics, but also it's communicating useful mechanical information at the same time. But then okay. the way the numbers look could contribute to the aesthetics of the game, for sure. Ah, uh, you're confusing me again. I was almost on your team. So, like, if I don't care what the numbers look like, they could be hideous, but I need the numbers there. Are you saying that I care about aesthetics, or am I no longer I would say in that aesthetics? situation, you're caring about the mechanical element of it. Okay, beautiful. So now, if I punch a guy in the face, and I don't care how stupid it looks or what he does, or if it's dumb, but I just want him to have a reaction visually to my hitting him. Or is that aesthetics? It depends what the end result is that you're looking for. Like, why do you want it to look that way? If you want to... Say you like, oh, I, I want... When I shoot this enemy, I want to see a reaction because if I don't see a reaction, I don't know that they're stunned and then that's going to cause me problems with my gameplay. That's a mechanical problem. Definitely. But if you're saying, if I shoot this guy and he doesn't react, then I don't believe that he's been shot. That's an aesthetic problem, in my opinion. Okay, if that's the case, then it sounds like we're saying the same thing and we're on the same side. Uh, and it's just my own baggage with, I, I really have only heard aesthetics used in a way that's like pleasing visually, right? Like for like the sake of the visuals only, whereas I feel like what I'm describing in my own mind is ever so slightly different because like I want to know that I have agency and have wielded some sort of an effect on this thing in the game uh -huh. and that's what i'm getting out of it so it's not really mechanically in the sense that i would change my behavior like i'd strategize differently with or without this information but just that i don't the fun isn't there for me because i don't feel like that guy's in pain <laughs> you know <laughs> or whatever the equivalent is <laughs> Like okay. would like would slapstick comedy be an aesthetic form of comedy? Would <sighs> see you got to crunch some numbers sometimes. It's not, it's not that easy sometimes, you know. Would slapstick comedy be an aesthetic? Well, I don't know. It, I suppose I think of aesthetics as more of a term in game design that encompasses like a lot of different things, and it's like I guess think about it in terms of like a logo for a company the logo has aesthetic elements where it's like it has to look good and beautiful to the eye and these things but a logo also serves a like a functional purpose and needs to communicate certain information and stuff but you would still say that it like these elements of a logo fit under aesthetics even though they also communicate important information so i think something can be involved with aesthetics and and without it sort of not having anything to do with functionality if you see what i mean it sounds like we just ever so slightly disagree 
on how we use the term, which is fine. Because I like I would look at a logo and if the the colors were wrong, I would say that's an aesthetic problem. But if the name of the company, if the letters were in the wrong order, I would say that's not an aesthetic problem. That's a fucking spelling mistake. Okay, that's... but let's say the colors are wrong in a way where the company's logo is like ABC. And the colors are wrong in a way that makes it difficult to see what the B is in the company logo. It's obscured because the colors are poorly chosen. Then you have an aesthetic problem that also encompasses a functional problem. Okay, I gotta crunch the numbers on this real quick. (laughs) (laughs) B is the second letter of the alphabet. I think I... Is it Z... Y X W V U T S R Q P O N M L K J H G F E D C B A. Yeah, you're right. Um, I think I yeah. So then, okay. So let's extrapolate that out now. So I punch this monster in the face, and he doesn't react at all. That's a piece of visual information. Well, kind of, because it could be the sound effect too, right? Maybe I just need a chunky enough sound effect. Maybe I, okay, yeah, I think we're on the same team here. I think you're saying that the strictly visual elements of the feedback of selling the hits, that's aesthetic. And so that would be an example of an aesthetic thing that I need and appreciate when I play my games, but for a purpose that isn't just like, oh, that looks nice, but like, it gives me some other sense of like, I feel as though I have had an effect on the environment around me. And I like that feeling, so that's fun. But it's it's caused aesthetically. Uh, I I suppose that's fine. It's just it feels so funny and weird to say because I I don't think I would bring in an artist to solve this problem if that makes sense. Interesting. So like if I go, hey, I need the enemy to do this particular thing to sell the impact i mean at some point obviously a modeler has to get involved to like do that and make it and an animator has to get involved to make it do that but i so maybe yeah because i was thinking the design of the choice behind how it reacts to this thing might not be the artist's decision but it totally could be i think it would probably begin with the artist and then feedback would come from the design team maybe or like just testers and it would be like does this look like this is occurring i mean you might not even put that question out there for sake of better testing but you know if there was feedback of like well i couldn't tell when the monster was like stunned because the animation was like not codified well or something then you know then it goes back to the artist to be fixed or whatever but i think you would probably call in an artist initially at least yeah i think you're right i think i think now that i've thought through it that uh that yeah it makes sense i see where you're coming from here Uh, he's crunched the numbers have been successfully crunched (laughs) i crunched all the numbers my teeth are sore over here (laughs) um what was the point of bringing this up i guess what i was asking was uh like from your perspective do you have that same issue at all where like you're you're being taken out of the experience of the game because it just kind of all I absolutely so do but in other games and I think maybe it, it's in it can be in multiple different ways like uh I think I talked about this in my video that I did about Quake 
uh, versus Doom. And, like, one of the things that makes Doom still look so good to this day is that they have a ton of, like, rotations for their sprites uh, that older a lot of older games didn't have at the time. Uh, and it means that the monsters actually, like, feel really solid in Doom and combine that with, you know, like, the pain chances and and the visual and audio feedback that you get from hitting a monster. And you have, like, these really solid things that... Uh, make the environments feel more real and more make the enemies feel like more concrete and more dangerous in a lot of ways and then when you compare that to something like doom 64 where they're made out of paper or quake where you shoot things and they're a lot more bullet spongy and they just sort of take the hit and continue moving and stuff uh i definitely think that's a big part of why doom has like a much longer lasting appeal in terms of like the way it looks and feels yeah because you'd see if if you're oh how do i start the sentence i i'm in like game dev circles and i'm always checking out just stuff that people are working on it could be the first two weeks of working on a project or they could be two years into it and you know someone just posts their thing on reddit or what have you I'm like oh here's this game i'm working on when you see people doing 3d uh shooters but they want to do this artistic slant where it's like 2d sprites uh Mm -hmm. which you you see a lot actually and i you know i feel like that's a fun thing to do but they'll do what you're describing which is they'll do billboarding so like if the enemy is there and they're looking at you and then you are circling around them that sprite is always billboarded towards you and it's just rotating. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like in Doom, I, I think they all, it's all eight ways, right? They have a sprite where they're looking at you and directly away, left and right, and then at a 45 degree angle, yeah, yeah. left, right, front and back. So mm-hmm. yeah, that that's an interesting thing and it, it takes... It's, it's funny kind of how much more art you have to draw for like each guy because every animation has to be done uh, eight ways unless it's something that can be mirrored and then you save well yeah you would do it like four right and then well depends the 45 degrees you can flip i guess but the obviously well, the back and front you can't yeah. well like you couldn't do it with the cyber demon because he's got his arms aren't uh symmetrical right he's got a rocket launcher on one but arm but you could him. can you flip his two left to be 45 if you see what i mean could you flip his two Not left? flipping, like the two, they're both on, you're looking at him on his left side, but it's the 45. No, you couldn't because yeah, you it can. would be his back frame 45. So I guess you can't really flip. Yeah, if it's a symmetrical sprite, then you can you can do some cheating. But if not, then yeah, yeah. you can't. But anyway, yeah, I, I guess the point I'm bringing up is that it's another example of The uh, <laughs> the solidity of Man the experience. Man tries to reach his point. <laughs> <laughs> so, I've been doing too much crunching, too much number crunching. My brain's Crunched all tired. Numbers. There's a solidity to the experience where the Baron feels very real. The doom. Baron is the one that I always think of. Absolutely, that is the first one that comes to mind uh, for me every yeah. single time. Even though it's a pixely cartoon. Of mm-hmm. like a goat dude, you know. You just so, really feel it with a Baron when you shoot it with the super shotgun. It fe- they feel 
you get every sense of that 1000 HP when you hit one. <laughs> yeah. With the they, super shotgun. They feel heavy and weighty, but it's to your point in a modern game, you could have the, the actual artwork, the sprite or the model look way better, look photorealistic, and it just doesn't feel as real if it's not behaving in this feedbacked mm-hmm. way where you shoot them with 20 pellets from the super shotgun, you see 20 blood spurts on him, and he goes, you know, and he <laughs> stuns and he slides back just a little bit maybe. It's It's amazing. It works so well. And it's another one of those things where, yeah, I guess that's being communicated almost exclusively visually, with the exception of the sound he's making. But this eight-way sprite rotation and the pellets of blood on him and the frame of stun pain chance he does, it's all visual animation. But I feel like the payoff, this is how this is why we're well not buttonheads, but this is why you were confusing my small brain before. I feel like the payoff to me is wouldn't be aesthetic in the way that I would normally use that term because it's not like, oh, that looks good. I'm thinking, oh, that feels good. Okay, that. but that's not a distinction. No, you I don't know. look at a sunset and the feeling of looking at that sunset. They're not two separate entities. They're directly related. <laughs> I'm already. You already got me on your side. I'm just. <laughs> I just. I'm just mad at you now for uh, <laughs> pretending that you were right. Still. <laughs> wait, wait, when did I do that? I, I feel like th- you were like I fully agree with you, except that I don't. No, no. I I've done so much number crunching for you. How could you That's think true, this is you, anything you less than a metric shit ton of numbers? Actually. <laughs> I do like Too the many. mental arithmetic. But um, yeah, it's it's an interesting thing. It's a visual feedback, a visual component that yields a very significant experience. And it doesn't yeah. matter if it looks good. It doesn't matter if it looks bad. It it looks fun, right? It causes your brain to release the fun chemicals when it happens. But it's just funny that you're right. Doom, old game. I would assume by any objective quote-unquote metric, it kind of looks like shit out of necessity, right? Like if you were to make a game right now and you needed a Baron as an enemy in the game, like a Baron of Hell, you wouldn't. It wouldn't mm-hmm. look like the one from Doom because it's just, it's like too it's too low res and it's just it's a it's cartoony, right? But mm-hmm. it just feel they feel more real. I believe that that Baron is there. I I'm playing a game where I can't look up and down. And I fully believe that this guy's coming to hurt me and he occupies space in the room and I got to get out of there. Whereas I'm yeah. watching someone play an MMO and I just, I don't believe anything's anything. It all looks really weird to me. Well, this is one of my problems with free look in GZ Doom is that all of a sudden the monsters, they're not, uh, they're not solid anymore. If you can look, if you're above a platform and you can look down and you see and they're just fucking paper thin, it just, it takes me out of the experience of the game, like, almost immediately. And it's, it is something that I, I think is, like, a very major element in why Doom looks so much better than its peers to this day. So, when I see that free look, uh, and the jumping, you know, is obviously tied into that as well, um... All of that kind of takes me out of the experience. Yeah. 
I feel exactly the same way. It's you can get away with a little bit of it if you've got like the OpenGL on and you're looking a little bit up and down. It's not mm-hmm. too bad, but yeah, if you're if you're up on a ledge that's roughly the height of the Baron and then you look straight down at the Baron, they're literally paper thin. You can see it. And yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Well, another a small element that they have in Doom as well is like the the buoyancy, I guess, of, of thing or the weight uh, of enemies, like with cacodemons, how if you shoot them, they kind of propel backwards, things like that. So you get a sense of different weights between the monsters. Like you hit an imp with a rocket and they fly backwards, whereas a baron, you know, they'll get hit and they might move a tiny bit, but they'll usually stay fairly stationary, things like yeah. that. Yeah, that's And then stuff the BFG so man, oh, when you get a fucking perfect two shot on a cyber demon and their corpse just flies, oh. <laughs> Is there a better feeling in video games? I don't know. Oh, man. Probably just the feeling of seeing Woody Allen in Ants. Oh. <laughs> you need to put out a Doom Woody mod. Allen as Doom Guy in the next Yeah, exactly. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm on Mars. Ooh. I'm lost on Mars. <laughs> uh, yeah, that stuff, I, I really don't think it can be overstated. That stuff is crucial you want there to kind of be nothing in the way of your your uh becoming immersed in the experience right and some people are going to be less actively bothered by that than other people are Uh absolutely i happen to be one of those people where you know i pop into an mmo or it doesn't have to be it could be any game but the characters just don't have that weight hits don't have that impact people aren't reacting to each other as if they're real it looks like the stuntman uh-huh. forgot to uh take the punch you know and i just it really sucks the enjoyment out of the experience i find it so incredibly distracting and i don't wow. need much right you could play when i'm playing Starbreak and i'm shooting a boss they're just flashing they're just flashing white and damage numbers come up and there's a sound effect but that tells me like i just fully believe in the context of the universe of the game that that's my bullets sinking into that guy. Okay. And it feels good. Well, outside of the big raid bosses then that don't really animate, you'd probably be fine in Final Fantasy then. Because I think for the most, like trash mobs and stuff, they definitely react a little bit. Oh, good. As far as I know. It's hard to tell because you don't really pay that much attention to that stuff when you're playing, I feel like. Yeah, and it's a hard problem to solve with the raid bosses again because it would just not really be functional if they were constantly reacting to the 50 players in the room uh, Uh dealing damage to them. And it's just maybe not the type of game where you want to see the monster just flash white, you know? It would be way (laughs) too distracting to have any kind of... Because, yeah, you have eight people hitting this boss or there are these things called alliance raids, which are like the big raids, and that's like 24 people, so... Yeah, but I mean... If the boss was reacting to all 24 people... It would be a nightmare for netcode, I'd imagine, and also just terrible. Well, that's arbitrary, because you could just have the boss flash only to your damage, right? Everybody's... Yeah, that's true. You could do it all client-side or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, but it's just, I think the, the, po- the ultimate point is that, I guess, stylistically, that might not be something that would look in I think it would look like Final Fantasy. wet ass. Yeah. <laughs> it's more of a 2D pixel art game style of thing. Well, it doesn't have to be pixel art, but 2D games will do that all the time with like the flash white, and it uh, I, it works. Yeah. It's just an I think that it's, it's interesting because you mentioned this word immersion, which somebody in the comments section for the first episode that got posted 
they said, like, oh, you guys talked a lot about game design and stuff, and, like, talked around this subject, but you didn't really talk specifically about immersion. Who was it? Name and shame uh, them. I don't know. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. I could get that name right now. Don't, don't. Put, no. them on, put them on fucking blast. But <laughs> no, no. Uh, I mean, this wasn't a bad comment in any way. I th- and I think I responded, like, well, for me personally, like, I'm kind of sick of that word. I, I oh, think it's really? been used so much that it's so watered down now in games journalism and when people talk about games that, I, I don't know, just the context of it I feel like is maybe not as useful as it used to be when I'm talking about a game. But it is an interesting, it's a very interesting thing when people talk about immersion because it's like, you're talking about these things that help you and like what helps you sort of get your headspace into the game like this is a real world etc and like a game like final fantasy for instance like an mmo the immersive elements of that is like you feeling like you're your character or whatever like building up your character and doing all these things so that you've sunk so much time into your character that it becomes you know like an extension of your real world or whatever i think that's sort of the appeal with mmos and whereas in other games yeah i think I think it's a very, it's probably come at from a completely different point of view from a game design element where it's like handled through like atmosphere and very specific level design elements and things uh, where maybe in Final Fantasy, because there's a lot of things that take you out of like, we, they're very, it's a very gamified environment in an MMO where it's like, I go into an instance and I'm in a dungeon and then the dungeon ends and then I'm back to the hub or you know, it's not like a a linear story where you trek through these environments and you've got to believe you're in the like this real space, I suppose. So I was crunching some numbers there. <laughs> what are these numbers you crunch? <laughs> I'm just kidding. That one I was just kidding. Um, yeah, no, let's talk about it. I think I'll try to be sympathetic to the fact that you have a little bit of semantic satiation with the word. Um, because definitely you'll hear people talk about it a lot. You'll hear them use it in a bunch of different ways. And I also hear it used very derogatorily in some, I think this is it. Like, it's not going to make me mad or whatever, but I do feel like a lot of the time it's like, oh, well it broke my immersion or whatever. Like it's used in that context a lot. And in, in times where it's perhaps not very applicable. Okay. Yeah. So let's. Let's try to have a conversation about it where that's not the main focus, because I think there's a lot more weight to this word. And I think there are more intriguing ways to discuss it that don't boil down to, oh, it was good. And then something distracted me and then it's ruined. And Uh now I'm out, even though I've been doing a little bit of that with the silly look of like MMO combat. But that that's more preventing my immersivity than it is just like pulling me out of it once I'm in. But let's talk about a few things here because there are a bunch of different kinds of ways that one can be immersed in something like you've said. I mean, in the MMO, it sounds like there's a narrative sort of role play immersion where you're trying to really kind of get in the skin of this character you're playing and you you feel represented by them maybe. Maybe that's why you like playing one character in Skyrim for 500 hours. Where you're kind of like, this is me. This is me. I definitely never have that. This is me. I've. I don't think with any game I've ever had that much of a connection where I'm like, this character is me and 
represents me and, and things like that. I definitely don't have that. But for me, maybe it's more just like, <laughs> maybe it's lamer than that. <laughs> it's just like collecting accolades and all of these things and being like, man, this character is like sick. Like if I was in the world of Skyrim and I saw this guy, which, okay, this is another tangent altogether, but you know what really fucking pissed me off in Skyrim was like, how nobody cared who you were or what you looked like. Like, you're wearing, like, <laughs> this yeah. fucking demonic hell armor and shit, and you walk into some little village, and some kid will just be like, you suck, or whatever. <laughs> and it's like, this kid is not reacting to who I am at all. Like, I'm Satan incarnate right now, and he's just, like, running around like I'm nobody. I think that's immersion that you're talking about again. Of course. Yeah. I think that that's, that's a, uh, uh. I'm well aware of what the word means. No, but I, so, well, you said it was a tangent, but you're just still talking about immersion. <laughs> so I was I am, but I it. suppose it's, this is feeding into the, the use of the word that I was complaining about, I feel like. I see. Okay. So there, there's the issue of suspension of disbelief. And that's going to come back into all oh, this broke my immersion. Because I was no longer able to suspend my disbelief. So if, you know, that feels like less of a fruitful conversation to you, then we can avoid that topic. So let, let me throw another one at you then. No, no, no. I don't, I, I don't care, genuinely. I don't. Okay. Well, I think I'm personally a little less interested in that because I feel like it's been talked to death. But maybe we'll touch on it a little bit. But if I bring Starbreak back up as an example, Here one of the things I think is so fucking phenomenal about that game is... It's so difficult from a game design perspective to get your player to respect the stakes and the consequences of the game. I couldn't tell you how many games I played in like the late 2000s where it's so easy to get bored because, you know, you're doing a mission in, in whatever console game you're playing. You die or you fail the mission. And it's like mission filed. And then you just... Who was that? I don't know. <laughs> you just... <laughs> can you do that one? Can you run that one by me? I'd care. I'd love to. Physically unable to. You would just restart Mission the mission. Filed. <laughs> mission filed. <laughs> I don't know Who why that's in my head. I don't know. It's from something. <laughs> it's from something. Um, someone All will right. know. Mission failed. We'll get them next time. Anyway, it's mm -hmm. probably not the right uh, date anyway, but you'd be playing games, you know, mid to late 2000s. You fail a mission and you just have a restart button. You just do the mission again. And it just doesn't matter. And there's so many times I'd be playing those games where I, I could fail a mission and I just I could walk away right there. Like it just doesn't it doesn't have a negative emotional effect on me. It's just kind of a nice breaking point where I'm like, ah, it's getting late. I'll go to bed. But I, uh -huh. it, it leads directly into boredom a lot of the time where you're just going through the motions in these missions because if you die or fail, you're like, oh, I'll just try again. And it just doesn't matter. Whereas in contrast to that, if we go back to arcade games where you just paid fucking money to uh, try to get as far in this game as you can and then you die late in the game, there's money at stake. You didn't get to have as much fun as you did. And you have to start over completely from the beginning of the game again. So in those moments where you're really, really, really deep in the game, final boss of the whole game, you have these genuinely sweaty-palmed moments where the anxiety's hitting you, you're nervous, you start playing a little worse 
because, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, this is it, this is it, right? Those are so hard to achieve. But I think that A, that is immersion that we're talking about, right? You just, so the thing that's getting you into the game isn't necessarily the atmosphere of it, but it's just the, the reality of the stakes at hand. Isn't we'll just... that okay? I have to cut you off because I would argue that isn't that, in the case of arcade games specifically, that's almost the opposite of immersion <laughs> because it's a completely external factor that you're thinking of when playing the game that's causing you to behave a certain way in the game. I don't think that matters. I, I, I really don't think that matters at all. If, if what I want is to feel invested in my success in the game to the point that winning is like, yes, and losing is no, <laughs> and my palms are sweating, my knees weak, arm spaghetti, Mission you know, <laughs> Mission file. <laughs> it gets okay. worse every time. I feel like I would argue that, like, <laughs> PUBG, for instance, like this battle royale environment, you're at yeah. the end of the game. It's you and one other guy. Every element of the stakes of that, uh, that's all within the game. Yeah. It's all, it's me and this one other person. I've gotten this far. It's all based on game design elements. The arcade scenario is you're playing the game and it's like, shit, I better not lose. I put fucking like 20 quarters in this thing or whatever, which it, to me takes me out of the game because it's something completely external to the experience. I don't think stakes equate to immersion. Is what well, one, oh, I wish you hadn't ended on that because I disagree completely. One, um, I'm just using the arcade games as, as like, uh, an analogical example a little bit just to show kind of how time game design changed over time from having the harshest most upfront consequences possible you lost the whole game you have to start over from the beginning there's no saves there's no checkpoints and you have to pay more money right that's okay so i will just i will say it seems like this is another semantic thing for me like i'm being a little socratic here or something because the money factor is the only element I disagree with. In terms of the stakes being important to helping immersion, I agree with that element. Okay, then we'll just we'll throw the money, throw the quarters over your shoulder. Sure, it doesn't sure. matter. I was just setting the scene. Um, yeah, we'll talk about the stakes. But the point being that, yeah, that's kind of where gaming uh, was in the early days. And then you get to a point, you know, let's say 20 years later, 30 years later, where we're having trouble communicating the stakes or having the stakes actually be evocative for the player because I mean, it could be a softness in the player base where it's like people publishers and, and game designers are thinking that players don't want to play games with these harsh consequences because they feel unfair, which they definitely can at times. So they put in more checkpoints. They put in, Oh, your progress is automatically saved at the start of each mission so that, you know, you don't bail on the game when you have a hard time. But if you do too much of that, you get to a point where there are no stakes. And the the reason I bring this up um, it, to talk about immersion is that I had this exact experience when I started uh, streaming Doom and doing my little Doom videos. And I don't know why I arbitrarily decided this, but I just thought I would do blind playthroughs of you know maps that just came out and I would do them saveless. 
and without knowing what's coming. And then I'd record the experience. So I would play mm-hmm. up through the map. And if I beat the map, awesome. If I died, I would go back to the beginning, play through the map again. And then I would just cut the footage to, you know, wherever I we left off when I last died. I just stole it from Ryukar's Mario Maker runs. I think we talked about this on uh, your other podcast. <laughs> but uh-huh. what I noticed for the first time in years is suddenly I was so invested in my success in beating these maps. Cyber demons were scaring the shit out of me again uh-huh. because whether I was actively aware of it or not, I'm about to lose 45 minutes of progress instead of just getting kicked back to my last save. And so, yeah, it was heartbreaking and difficult when you would lose and then you've got to start over and maybe you rage quit a little bit that day. But in the moment, a cyber demon is a very real threat to your like actual safety. And it just pulls me right into the game. And now I'm immersed because of these stakes. And I noticed the same thing is wielded so, so well in Starbreak as this little stripped down MMO because it's permadeath. So you could have been playing Uh this character for weeks, building them up, getting the best gear you can for them. And then you're in a boss fight. It's not going well. And there's it's it's you, you beat the boss or you die and you've lost your character forever. So like you just the palms start sweating and I'm having a very emotionally invested experience. And I think to me, that's just a better gaming experience. If you're into that type of feeling, that's mm-hmm. one of the best ways to get it. And so to me, that's one of the ways that immersion is directly causing a better play experience. Whereas if, if I wasn't yeah. invested, if there were no consequences for this death, then I'm just, I could fall asleep while yeah, I'm playing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I completely, like every single game that I truly love has stakes like big stakes, like games that I've gotten really invested in. Well, okay, not every single game, but ga- like a lot of my top games that I play a lot, like Dota 2, I think one of the reasons that I really loved that game from the beginning is that getting a kill in that game is incredibly satisfying because it's a really big deal. Like dying, you you lose gold and you give gold to your opponent and then you're not there, like you're dead for a certain amount of time and being off the map in that game is really bad. So big stakes in that game all the time for, like, every micro decision you make. Uh, PUBG as well, you know, Battle Royales obviously are built around stakes, which is why I don't like a lot of the modern ones where uh, you have, like, a bunch of different ways you can respawn and it becomes a lot more like Team Deathmatch. Like, all the stakes are kind of removed out of it. PUBG is, like, a lot slower and more methodical. And playing 2v2s in that game is so good. Like, I like 2v2 as a concept anyway. Me and, I think that's, like, the best, you get the best amount of communication with one other person where you're just working together. And if it's someone you play a lot of games with, like, I play a lot of games with uh, Mega Blast. Um, and we played a ton of PUBG, ton of other games, and we just, like, <laughs> the comms in that game are also fantastic. Like, I I don't know if they've added some extra shit here and there now, but, like, you used to just have to use the compass and then describe what was at the compass. Like, there's a guy northeast near the shed with the barrel next to it or whatever. And then it's like, he's on the left side of that shed. He's near the barrel. Like, you have to give specific callouts in real time. Yeah. And if you give a bad callout, you can get your teammate killed. 
there's like a lot of stakes in it, all of these little minor sort of aspects of the game that I really loved. Uh, and that's definitely just been changed a lot with like Apex, much faster pace, like a lot of it was just running into people and killing them as quickly as possible and no sort of slow, methodical, thought-out plans of how to move into the circle. There is, it's not really fair to say no plans, but definitely a little bit less. And then there's like ways to respawn people in and then Call of Duty's just taken it even further where you can respawn people in in like four different ways or something. And it's like, well, like how is this a battle royale at this point? Like people just, I've killed a guy and now he's just back again, like for the yeah. third time after I killed him. Like my satisfaction for killing him has gone away. The amount of like sadness I feel about dying has gone away. I'm not getting much satisfaction out of playing this game anymore is how I feel. It's the perfect example. The one that I would use, because it's not a new thing, first of all, but it may be newer to the Battle Royale genre since it started with PUBG and that hat mm-hmm. that, like, you're dead, you're out. But, I mean, if you go back to uh, Star Wars Battlefront, you know, Battlefront 2 uh, for the PS2, like, the first Star Wars Battlefront 2, people love that game. And uh, I'm not about to say that I, I think it's a bad game. I, I've played a shitload of it and I, I enjoyed it. But it was definitely so easy to check out completely because you're just running into battle. And if someone shoots you and you die, you wait five seconds and then you just respawn. So you were completely disposable. And you just you would have those moments where you'd realize, oh, man, I'm playing like shit right now because just mentally I'm somewhere else. I'm just not pulled into and invested in the experience. And I think the main driver for that was just that I don't care if I die. Like, it's fine. I'm just throwing uh-huh. bodies at this objective, and if I die, I'll just load up as somebody else and I'll try again. Um, so it doesn't stop the game from being fun, and especially if you've got buddies together and you're all playing Battlefront, then it's a good time. But I really think that, in my opinion, that was a flaw for my own fun with that game, is the fact that you just, you don't believe that you, you don't care about your safety. You don't believe that you're in danger. You're not like, oh my god, I can't die here. Or like, it just doesn't matter. You just die there. Who gives a shit? You just respawn. So any games that get that wrong, it's just really hard to stay invested for a long time. It's really hard to... Uh, like, the onus has been put on you to have fun, almost, in a way. Or at least in that specific way. I think you do... Like, there's definitely... A, there's a balance that needs to be met. The satisfaction needs to be high enough for when you actually do win that it's worthwhile to have the lows of dying. Uh, and then also certain games just shouldn't be that way. They should, like, I'm definitely of the opinion of, like, let's have as many different experiences in gaming as we can. I, like, I love it when there are games, like, that come out and, like, I wouldn't play them. I have no interest in them. But I'm, like, cool that, like, if it's a new and unique idea and it's interesting that's great like i'm I'm not i really get <laughs> I, I feel like i'll end up bringing up gamers every single episode but i really get pissed off about people who and you see them in the doom community as well where they get really angry that people are playing other games that aren't this one game who <laughs> that is they like name and shame them oh no it's not specific people it's sort <laughs> of just this amorphous blob of general people who might who might do this sort of thing I yeah. like in Mega's chat I used to troll a lot and I'd be like 
I'd just be like, yeah, Call of Duty is just, like, way better than Doom. And then you just, like, get to watch the people who didn't see how obvious bait that was. (laughs) But I'm somebody, like, I'll play, like, a super niche little fucking game and, you know, like, that's got some weird mechanics in it, some little indie game or whatever. But I'll also play, you know, Call of Duty. I don't care. I'll play Dota 2. Uh, Like, uh, and, like, people who are like, oh, I, like, this is very old school, but back in the day, it was, like, the people who, they played Halo, so they couldn't play Call of Duty. They were like, fuck Call of Duty, and vice versa, you know, and I was like, why would you limit your own fun by being beholden to a brand, you know? It's so weird to me. It's like these people who, they only buy iPhones or whatever, and I bet in the back of their head, maybe they're like, I'd really like to get this new Samsung, but I only buy iPhones or whatever it might be. Maybe it's the other way around, but it's like, why would you ever be beholden to something like that? If you're going to be limiting your own enjoyment, it just makes no sense. Yeah. I don't get it. Well, with games and such, I don't get it either. I get it more with like products where you might say, I'm never going to buy an Apple product because you know, if you don't like the stuff Apple makes or their business practices or what have you. Uh, but I understand the spirit of the argument that you're making, and and I agree, uh, especially in the sense that like, yeah, permanent permanent death is a very effective consequence, and it works very well in certain contexts. But you don't just start putting it in every single game. Uh, that's not the right answer. No. And they right? did kind of. I feel like Dark Souls really is such a massive shift in video games. I think. And obviously people will be like, oh, it's overrated. Maybe they're sick of hearing about Souls likes and all these things. But I really think that Dark Souls was like, that was really the beginning of this massive shift towards, oh, it's like okay for games to be difficult. And game developers coming in and making games that were difficult. Sometimes they were difficult for the sake of difficulty or whatever. But I really think it led into like, you had this big wave and the Battle Royale genre as well. Obviously, that was, like, coming down a whole separate line of games. But these are games where, like, death has impact and, and like, meaning to it. And there was, like, this big renaissance of difficulty in video games, I feel like. Where it's, like, holy shit, it turns out that it's actually pretty fun if there's, like, stakes for when you die. And, like, obviously, I mean, Final Fantasy is a different thing, like, or these MMOs, because... Uh, this is like an investment of time. Like if I go in, you have like an hour and 20 minutes or whatever in this instance to beat this boss and you have a party of eight that you've gotten together, all these people. And it can take you like, I don't know, it might take you like six hours in the day to beat this, to like uh, beat a fight. I mean, if you're starting from scratch, it's probably going to take you like several sessions of like four or five hours at a time to get good enough at mechanically at this fight, you need all these other eight people to also get mechanically good enough at the fight. So there's, like, a lot of reliance on other people. It could take you, like... People have said for ultimates in that game, which are the hardest thing, or, like, the hardest uh, fights, it's, like, two a 200-hour commitment a lot of the time to beating these fights. So, like, like obviously that game has massive stakes in terms of, like... Well, if you die in this fight now, like, you've got to, like, start the fight again and then, like, try and get up to that point again and then 
like maybe beat the fights so like there's like this huge time investment element to games like that where there are stakes that involve you when you die you go back to a beginning point so i can see why games would be scared to do that because that can be pretty off-putting for people who like just don't have that amount of time to invest i feel like yeah it's a it's a risky thing i i want to um i want to go back for just a moment and maybe like fine tune the point that you made where i'm not sure that dark souls has popularized difficulty in modern games but i i would be more willing to accept that it's popularized difficulty as a marketing tool in modern games where suddenly that's it's fair yeah um uh oh my gosh my brain sorry i, <laughs> I had to yeah i had to not sleep for like an entire week uh about well that would have ended about a week ago and i've just i've been a mess ever since but my brain's my brain's holding together for you for you baby wow um what was i trying to say yes i remember mission failed <laughs> mission failed <laughs> <laughs> the accent's like just three gonna keep getting bigger yeah I can't do accents. That part of my brain doesn't work either. Um, I notice uh, another thing is that uh, in the indie scene, roguelite is getting injected into everything. Everything's a fucking roguelite now. And despite my use of the curse word there, I'm not sure I'm upset about it, but it is everywhere. And I think that the reason for that is that sometimes we learn that some things are just better as we, you know, continue through the evolution of games as an industry and as a, as an experience for players, there are just going to be times when someone comes along and finds the thing that is, is just the best way to do a particular thing. And then everyone's going to start doing it. And I, I see no issue with that, but I, I think an example of that is, permanent death as a consequence and skill-based action games so mm -hmm. i think that we're seeing this huge boom of that because we had this period of time in games where just holy shit it did not matter if you died or failed a mission you it just you just you don't care it doesn't matter and then you know binding of isaac comes along and uh enter the gungeon comes along and you're getting deep into a run that you've been working half an hour on uh, or longer and you've got the best build you've ever gotten and then you get low on health and you have to go into a boss and you're just you're white knuckling it the whole time it's just by any measure an effective way to deliver an action experience and have your players actually want to survive and want to win like not just understand that they should and that's the goal but like damn do i want to survive right now and beat this boss so we're seeing it kind of everywhere so Though I respect your point of, yeah, you can't just like put permanent death in every shooter just because it works in this particular shooter. And I agree with that. But I, I would be more open to this idea of if you want death to be consequential for the player, you want them to just fight tooth and nail to not die, then permadeath might be like one of the first things you try. Like you lose your character or you lose this run and that could take any form as you mentioned like PUBG, you're just out that was your one life you died you're out 
right? That that's effective. Mm-hmm. Or any kind of roguelike game where you lose a run and that's the entire run is gone and you got to start a new one and that's the core game loop. Um, yeah, I'm not asking to see permadeath and like unpacking on uh, on the Switch <laughs> or whatever. Um, but sometimes we might just be figuring out that like, yeah, you need to be dying and you're dead, and that's how it works. And kind of realizing that arcade games nailed that by accident. And well, that is a, a better way to have fun in that sense. Okay, well, there's a lot to unpack. <laughs> <laughs> a little callback to unpacking on the Switch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, you failed the mission. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay. What was I unpacking? Crunching numbers? Crunch some numbers, so, baby. I mean, the first thing is that I don't agree that the way arcade games did it was good because that comes from an incredibly cynical and shitty place of we want these children to put as much money into these machines as possible. Well, hold on. I, um, I just mean good as in it was effective. It was in accidentally you... good. Yeah, I think uh, I did say By of them wanting to steal your money. <laughs> yeah, no, I agree with you completely. I think I did say, yeah. ac- I think I used the word accidentally when I said that. Oh, maybe you did. But go on. Um but uh yeah i th- i mean obviously i agree that like stakes are important i i think that there are different ways that you can handle stakes though that doesn't have to be permadeath like like dark souls for instance isn't permadeath it's just you go back to a point and all the enemies respawn you know and then you have to go and grab your souls which is interesting in a lot of ways because it's like they could have made it you lose all your souls just instantly right but instead yep. they give you this extra opportunity so you get this extra little mission when you go back to the area to, to like, grab your souls or whatever, which uh, maybe they're in, like, a really fucking awkward place because you died in a really stupid area. So there's that. Uh, and then games like, you know, Minecraft, where you lose everything that's in your inventory, for instance, when you when you die. There's Terraria, where you have, like, a bunch of separate options, like... There's a permadeath mode, like a hardcore mode, but then there's also softcore where you lose all your loot. I think it's either in your inventory or in your hotbar. And then there's like the really soft one, which is you just lose money when you die. So that game gives you like three different options of how to play the game, which I think is really cool. And all of them still have stakes to varying degrees, you know, you can go all the way up to permadeath. But I don't know that like, Permadeath should be the first thing that game developers think of. Or maybe well, they should, maybe they can start from there as a starting point and then work their way back or something. Yeah, like, well, well, first of all, yeah, if we mean literally permadeath, then I still think it could be totally reasonable to say, okay, you know, first thing we try is you die and it's game over. Does that work in our game? And if you go no, then don't do it. But see how close to that you can get. Because I would describe the Dark Souls experience of you couldn't get back to your souls you died again and you lost them all mm-hmm. that's that's not permadeath but it's absolutely in the same spirit because you they're just gone right so it's kind of like you get a mulligan and if you fuck up again i mean you could lose like a hundred thousand souls or you know just some ridiculous i have you, yeah and it, i bet that sucks <laughs> you know well but then it builds in this <laughs> other mechanic of well each time you level up the amount of souls you need to level up increases so then you have to hold on to more souls and it it feels more and more stressful like the higher level you are so it's brilliant in that it scales your stakes (laughs) you know 
like like I don't know like you, you're holding on to more and more souls each time the number's bigger even though like percentage wise you know 50,000 souls might equate to 5,000 souls at the beginning of the game you know but because you're seeing the number and it looks so huge the stress levels like increase I feel like yeah and it's uh, it's just to to the uh the minecraft example man my brain is fried today the minecraft example i think is the same thing again where it's yeah you lose your inventory you get the mulligan if you can reach your inv- where you died you can pick all those items back up if not they're gone forever so if you had the only diamonds you'd found so far in that world on you when you died and then you couldn't oh, go man. rescue them they're gone but also more importantly minecraft has a hardcore mode and there are mm-hmm. tons and tons of people that will tell you that like that's the way to play Minecraft is to play hardcore mode. Like if you're playing survival, play hardcore. And the game, just everything in the game is amplified and more meaningful. If you look at Pokemon, first of all, in the natural games, the only time you fucking care about anything is when you're fighting the Elite Four. You know, you're you're like fighting Bruno or something. Yeah, because uh, like you have to go all the way back to the beginning if you fuck up exactly you lose to a gym leader you don't care like that doesn't resonate with you at all and i as evidence for that i present to the court the invention of the nuzlocke run and now those are crazy giga popular where people just injected permadeath into pokemon and it's fun again it's fun as an adult again it has what it never had which is stakes but even those older games had some amount of stakes like Breath of Fire 2 is a game that I really like, and a lot of those older games, Torok 2 is another really good example. But maybe Torok 2 is better, because in that game, you had these really long levels, and you had a save point that you had to find, and then, you know, get to, and if you wanted to save, you had to go all the way back to that save point to save. So it was like this, like, oh, I'm like, probably pretty close to the end of the level, do I go all the way back and save my progress, or do I go to the end of the level? So you had stakes in different ways and that create like anything that creates like decisions for someone i think is usually an interesting uh game design element yeah but again there what you're risking is this lessened form of permadeath right where you're losing all of your progress for the whole thing like i know we're just like yeah yeah agreeing back and forth and jerking each other off here well i just wanted to say actually and i was gonna use that exact phrase i was like we've really been jerking off this idea of permadeath as like the (laughs) sickest thing ever but it does have some pretty major fucking drawbacks which is that dying in minecraft is actually the angriest i've ever fucking been in my entire life because (laughs) you die you're like oh i've been down in the mines for like fucking ages this hole is gonna be so good when i get it back to my place i'm gonna be able to do so much shit with all these diamonds (laughs) <laughs> and then you die in some lava and it's all fucking gone or you die and you're out in the middle of absolutely fucking nowhere and you can't find your shit ever again yeah this that's so annoying and it's like i love the stakes element but i also fucking hate the stakes element you know well i think in retrospect it sucks if that wasn't like the contractual agreement Like, dying in lava with your huge hall in survival mode is infuriating. But dying in lava with your huge hall in hardcore mode, to me, 
feels really different infuriating. Somehow. I agree. Yeah. I well, that's possible. But the thing is, if I sign up for hardcore mode, then while I'm walking around lava, I'm like, oh shit, oh my god, oh my, because it's just there's so much at stake. The entire save file is at stake. Whereas in survival, I'm just walking by lava and I don't care. And then if I fall in and I die and I lose all my stuff, I'm caught completely off guard. I'm suffering all that punishment for dying. But I didn't get to get any of the enjoyment out of fearing death the whole time and being anxious about it. Yeah, and this is the sort of a catch-22, I guess. Like From a game development standpoint, it's like, well, we put this in... This mo- this aspect of the game, like permadeath or whatever it is, where it gives the game a lot of stakes, and that's what's going to bring people back, and that's what's going to make people very invested in this game. But at the same time, you're probably going to lose swaths of people who, they're like, well, I don't want to invest a whole bunch of time and then die and, like, lose everything. And they have, like, like I'm assuming you've heard of like Tarkov and uh, and these types of games now. I think Marathon just got announced and it's going to be in the same genre. What do they call it? Like looter shooters, I guess. Mm-hmm. Where it's like you have all of this loot assigned to your character and you can equip yourself in a bunch of gear and then you go into like sort of an instanced area and there's like real players and, and some CPU or whatever. But if you die, you lose all your loot that you brought in. And you have, like, backup loot on your account or whatever that you can then gear up with. And it's like, it's like, well, do I use my really good loot to go into this area so I'm stronger and less likely to die? Or do I gear myself up with my shit loot because I don't care about it if I do die? So there's, like, some interesting decisions to make. But for me, and this is a very specific example, uh, I tend to play on NA because, like, I'll play with, like, Mega Blast or I'll play with, like, some other american person that i know most of my friends seem to be on na and it's like well i don't want (laughs) i don't want to be on like 200 ping or whatever and some guy peeks me around a corner that i can't react to because of the ping and then i die and then i lose all my gear just due to that you know that would be incredibly frustrating so there's like there's certainly a lot of problems involved in a system like this i think yeah you're describing uh precarious circumstances that can you know confound the situation for sure but i'm not sure that the permadeath is the issue there it sounds like the 200 ping is more well but that okay i'm it's maximized by me having ping but that could be anybody that could be well i just died and i lost all my shit some people don't want to do that and at the end of the day what you're investing in all of these games is your real world time yeah like I'm going to sit down and I'm going to play this game for five hours. And if I'm investing five hours into a game or whatever, if by the end of it, I've lost everything to some people, that's not going to be worth it for other people. The experience of having played the game is enough, That's right. but other people, they want something at the end to show that they've played the game. Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, you've summed it up nicely where for some people that losing everything uh, results in this feeling that, well, what was the point of spending all my time doing that? Or just the punishment is too great and it's too frustrating and it undoes all the fun that they had. Whereas, yeah. you know, from my perspective, I'm thinking if I'm going to spend two hours playing a game, I want those two hours to be gripping. I want to be invested. I want to be immersed. 
and uh, just because that's what we've been talking about, the permadeath is such a shortcut to achieving that, that it could also be a problem, right? Because again, if you put it in a game where it doesn't belong in, or people aren't aware, like they're not really intentionally signing up for it in the way that like when you play Minecraft and you pick hardcore, there's no confusion here. I'm doing this because mm-hmm. I want to do it and you've got it on offer. So yeah, you know, you don't put it's anything It's like going in to an Indian restaurant and asking them to make the curry actually hot. Yes. <laughs> Which you they know. just won't do. They won't do if you're if you're white enough. They just won't no, do No, no, no. If you go in and you ask them, make it hot or make it spicy, then they won't do it. Then they'll make it white people hot. But if you say, I want it to be actually hot, they'll know what you mean and then they will they will give you the works. It's hit or and miss. You better, you better be prepared. It depends. I've had so many places still not respect me and, and give me the hot stuff. I've had like... Go to a Thai place then instead. Because if you go to a Thai place and you just order like a salad, it's probably going to have more chili in it than you've ever seen in your entire life. And they won't even tell you. You'll just explode. Well, I love Thai food. But we do live in different countries, so we could be having different experiences here. But I did That's have one true, where yeah. I walked in a restaurant and I asked for the, I ordered the thing, and he said, "How spicy do you want it?" And I said, "As spicy as you can make it." And he was like, "Okay," and I could tell he wasn't going to do it. So I was like, "No, no, no! Like, please, like, I'll be okay. I want it to hurt. I want to suffer. Make <laughs> it hot." And he looks over at the guy who's going to be preparing the food, and that guy smiles at him. And I'm think I'm hoping, oh, so now he's excited he gets to hurt me. And then they give me like the most mild thing I've ever had. And I'm like, oh, he was smiling. We would have like, fucked you up in my restaurant, let me tell you. Oh, that would be so great. I we love used that to, stuff. People used to ask for it to be like, they'd put spicy and they wanted, they would say what you're saying. And we used to make harissa uh, out of ghost chilies. And that shit would, that just killed people. Like, yeah, we would get brutal. people in and my head chef would be like, oh. Like, try some of this. It's like tomato sauce or something. Like, we made a homemade tomato sauce, and he just wouldn't tell them. <laughs> and uh, it would obliterate them. They Like, his brother came in and was just drinking, like, he was just, he'd drink a full, like, like half liter glass of milk, and then he'd just go to the fridge and fill it up again with milk. And he was just <laughs> drinking the whole time he was having a conversation after, like, a quarter of a teaspoon of this stuff. Wow, but like you know, very, very immersed in that experience. By the and we would it. put in like <laughs> we put in like two tablespoons of this shit into someone's pasta that they asked for. What? That's fun. And I one was of like, my... that guy's having a bad night. One <laughs> and he's gonna have a bad morning too. One of my favorite memories is going to a wing shop and uh, getting the spiciest flavor they had on the menu, and then saying like, "Can you make that extra spicy?" And they're like, I don't know if we can do that. And I'm like, can you ask? (laughs) And then when they brought the food, the cook brought the food out to the table. And then he stood there and watched me eat it. Like, (laughs) (laughs) it was so funny. We were just like, I made this special for you. And I was like, great, thanks. And he's like, well, are you going to eat it (laughs) in front of me? It was funny. It was was hot as fuck. It was awesome. I remember seeing this tweet and it was like, what, white people can either, there's like two levels of spicy for white people. They like can either only eat like one peppercorn or they eat like, you know, like pure hellfire. There's like, (laughs) like you have those people in the South with like their chili, they're like breeding their own variety of chili that's going to like kill a small village. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's like against the Geneva Convention to serve it. It's all an arms race, just trying to make hotter and hotter. I'm not a. F- I will say I'm not a fan of that kind of thing where it's like all about Scovilles and shit. Like I have zero interest in that. That's just for me. Yeah. It's about like it should be spicy, and the spiciness should contribute to the flavor of the food. Typically, yeah, but I sometimes I just want to get my ass kicked by something. And then other times it's just it's like a stunt, you know, where you just want to do something ridiculous and you're not even It's like an adrenaline it. thing, yeah. Yeah. Like you, like yeah. You, it actually releases stuff, yeah, you know, like adrenaline when you when you it's eat like it. And some people just through. don't react to it and don't enjoy it and then other people like they literally crave that feeling. Yeah. And I know my limits. Like I'm not it's not like I'm crazy good with spicy food. Like it's if if I eat a ghost pepper, I'm not having a good time. Like I wouldn't enjoy eating a ghost pepper. I don't think is there anyone who'd realistically be having a good time? There are people who could eat a ghost. I think they're rare, but there are people who eat ghost peppers, and it's just not a big deal. Like everybody's different. It's it's there's some of it's I mean, genetics I, and some it's of all it's tolerance too. Yeah, like, exactly. I like that ghost chili harissa that I was talking about. I used to be able to just I would just slather that on bread and eat it. Uh. But these good. days, if I did that, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be able to do that now. Like I eat a lot of spicy food. I eat pretty much like put chili in every meal I eat. Mm-hmm. But that spiciness was like another level altogether. Yeah, and it depends how you're taking it too, because like nothing's as hot as just eating the pepper. So something about it is just so much more brutal. You know, well, if you, you put it on bread. It and depends. It's just if not you as bad. like roast chilies, a lot of the time it actually like brings the heat out more. Like yeah. if you, we <laughs> one time in the middle of service actually. We got it. We had like a bunch of uh, habaneros, and we put them. We roasted them in the oven, and uh, we just ate them in the middle of service. And we were all just fucking dying while we were trying to serve <laughs> like a hundred customers or something. Yeah, that, that'd do it. But that's what I'm saying. You're just eating the pepper. That's like the hottest thing you can. If you put it yeah, in any yeah. kind of sauce, you're having it with any other kind of food. It it dulls the sensation so much. But like, because you could go get like just like carolina reaper sauce and it's not going to be anywhere near as painful as just eating a ghost pepper it's just even though the even though the scoville rating is way lower on the ghost pepper for some reason in my experience it's just eating the pepper off the stem that's what well ghost chilies are they're the hottest on the scoville chart they're a real like naturally occurring pepper but the carolina reaper is created it's like man-made yeah There's lots of names. And there are other ones, too. You know, like the fucking Turbo Butthole Explosion 5000 (laughs) or whatever. Oh, we went different directions on that one. I was thinking, you know when they make those chili sauces and they're called, like, Ass Explosion? (laughs) You know, they're like, (laughs) they really want to, like, emphasize the, like, watch your back. This chili's coming for you. My uh, my mouth is pretty tough, but my beehole is not. So I'll have <laughs> a spicy meal that I really enjoy every bite of, and then the next day I have to like after I go to the bathroom, I have to lie on my side for a while. <laughs> mission just, failed. I've got mission failed. I've just got <laughs> someone else's cornhole down there. This is a gaming co- uh, podcast. Yeah, yeah, a terrible one by all accounts. This mission failed thing really has the same inflection of the. Uh, the mine Lieben, I feel like, from the Wolvenstein. The Wolvenstein SS. Mine Lieben. Mine Lieben. Um, you sound just like him. It's like <laughs> I'm there. 
think I'm in map 31 ready to hit Idcliff. It fucking sucks. <laughs> it does. It does suck. But anyway, to let's try and uh, wrap it up by finishing up the talk on immersion, I guess. Where we, we went pretty in-depth on one specific kind of immersion, and that's immersion via stakes. I and think I, we should... I think, yeah, this is definitely a conversation on a very specific type of it, but yeah. we will definitely be coming back to immersion as a concept because, uh, as I sort of said, it it comes in like a million different forms in games. And I think it's like, like, obviously when I'm bitching about the word specifically, it's really just because I like, I feel like you read some games journalists or you hear some people talking and that's the only word they use for like 45 minutes in some video essay. Yeah. That but it is obviously it you feel like Batman. That's the other one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is obviously like fundamental to the experience that a person is going to have when they play your game. Like it's incredibly important as a game design element. So I would argue it's like, if not the most important thing, I mean, it might be the only important thing to me in a way like you could ex- abstract it out enough to a point where I would say that's the only thing that matters because it really doesn't matter how good a game is in every other regard. If I'm not at all invested in it, I I can't connect to me. It can't inject the fun into my veins. If I'm just mentally somewhere else, I'm not even aware I'm playing the game. It's tricky though, because it's not like a component so much as it is like the overarching thing that occurs when the components of the game function well together in a lot of respects. So it's difficult to say, well, immersion's the most important part of a game, because then it's like, well, what are you really talking about there? Like, I feel like you do have to drill down a little bit. Yeah, of course. Yeah, to have any kind of a meaningful discussion about it. No, Nobody's like deving their game and then they've got a dial for immersion and it's like, hey, this game isn't working. Can we turn the immersion up? <laughs> like, yeah, yeah, well, sure. this is the thing, right? Like, I guess like. I'm really figuring out during the course of this podcast why this word annoys me sometimes. (laughs) And it is that I think it becomes, it's like a real catch-all, right? And people use it, they throw it around really lazily and they don't do the drilling down that I think is necessary to actually assess, well, why is the game immersive? You can't just say, this game's really good because, like, it has a lot of immersive elements or... I felt very immersed playing it. Well, that doesn't help me if I'm trying to learn why the game is good. I want to know why is the game immersive? What elements in it? Like you're saying, like, I was more immersed in it because I felt like the the enemy, like the enemies in it felt really solid. And like, it, it felt like I was interacting with them like they were real things in a real world. Like things like Dark Souls, where it's like, these enemies are found in these specific locations and they inherently because of their creature design and the way they interact with the world they make that space feel more realistic there are a lot of things that go into immersion and i just wish that when people discussed it they were willing to maybe you know go into detail a little bit more yeah or we need to start using it like metal genre tags where you don't just say metal now you have to like be very incredibly granular and specific about the type of metal you're talking about or people again well, i'm annoyed wrong, about, about this yeah. right like well because you know you could be like oh i like metal and then people are like oh well you like this and they'll send you something oh you don't want to say that to and... someone who likes metal at all they'll be like well what do you mean 
Do you like pirate metal or do you like speed metal? Well, the worst thing with the metal fans is whenever you're like, hey, do you have any recommendations? They'll send you five entire albums and expect you to listen to them front to back. And, it's and they're like, all Buckethead. <laughs> and yeah. he, he wrote them over one weekend. Yeah. It's like, hey, can you just give me a song? Can you give me one song? And then if I like that, I like that vibe. I'll be like, I'll check out more from this this group. Anyway, the point being that, uh, yeah, people, they're just saying immersion and you don't know what they mean. Although I feel like the majority of the time I see people using that term, they mean atmospheric immersion, you know, and that's like the only thing that they care about. But uh, they might not. And you can't know if all they say is immersion. So it's more uh, actionable and more intriguing to if you're going to talk about immersion, you're right. Explain why. Say like the atmosphere was so compelling and so, you know, foreboding in this horror game that I just couldn't help but have my skin crawl and the hairs on the back of my neck stood up and I became immersed, right? That's that's one kind of immersion. You wouldn't have that in classic Doom because it's... But you would if you were watching Ants, for instance. Yeah, definitely. Whenever Woody Allen comes on, you're like, I'm pretty sure that guy committed sex crimes of some kind. And then you get the heebie-jeebies, you know? It makes makes anybody yeah. uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't but, want to see this man as an ant. But it is... Uh, it's it's a shame that people... Like, someone might look at something like Classic Doom and and make a remark like, well, I don't think I'd like that because it, it just doesn't look immersive. And they mean, like, atmospherically or they wouldn't connect with the art. It doesn't look real enough. I think a lot of this push for like photorealistic graphics is to try and aid immersion maybe in some cases. And it just all feels very kind of cart before the horse maybe. Or that's wrong and I don't know what that means. (laughs) I'm kidding. I'm just so tired. Oh man, I feel like it's foggy outside right now and I feel like there's fog in my skull. I can't believe how Mm -hmm. poorly my brain is performing but yeah i'm with you i sympathize that that word you get sick of hearing that word because you just don't know what it means but everybody throws it out like it's the be all end all of things and well it's also i feel like it's just the i've never done anything related to game design but i want to talk about games as if i know what i'm talking about word you know maybe yeah yeah there's i'm not saying that's everyone Right. Who uses the word. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying that angry gamers will toss that <laughs> word out to be like, oh, this completely broke my immersion. You know? There's a there's a kids in the hall sketch about this guy. And uh, it's it's like that you hear a word for the first time. And then you'll use it immediately and several times that day and all the time. Yeah. Because you haven't come up with this new word. Or there's a tragically wor- uh, hip lyric that goes like, when she wor- when she heard the word iridescent, everything was iridescent for a while. And I think it's a little bit of that is going on where you hear about somebody talk about immersion and immersivity. And you're like, oh, if I want to have conversations about game design, just like you said, uh, this is the one of the words I need to be using. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and that's uh, yuck. <laughs> and very yeah, tiring. I do feel like that's... I, I have a little text document with some other things, and I just have the word replayability in quotation marks, oh. which is another word that I also 
fuck off. <laughs> and I will. I don't know if we already discussed replayability, but definitely a topic that I would like to drill down on, as it were. Do you think we need to do a little wrap up on on the episode? Uh, 